Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. Well, thank you, Danny. That's the passage I'm preaching from today, Matthew chapter 1. He's already read my verses for me. And I'm starting a new sermon series today, just during December, called Grinch, Keeping the Merry in Christmas. There's a reason the word Merry comes before the word Christmas, because joy is the theme of Christmas. We're told that early on in the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look... I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And so here's what we know. Joy is the theme of Christmas, right? Mary, happiness is the overall theme of Christmas. But when we get to Christmas time, there's a lot that tries to drag us down. As a matter of fact, uh, studies will tell you depression is never higher than around the Christmas holidays. And so the enemy is going to try to come in your life and steal the joy out of your life. He's going to try to take the Mary out of Christmas. And it's not unlike what he did at that original Christmas time. So what I want us to do over the next few weeks is look at the ways we can keep our enemy from taking the joy out of our Christmas, the merry out of our Christmas. So I want to preach on this today. Don't let your problems get you down. We use the word Grinch, right? Grinch. We talk about because it's how the Grinch stole Christmas, right? We always use it in a negative way. It's the story by Theodore Geisel, who wrote the book in rhyme and actually was the, did the illustrations himself. You, you know the story of Grinch, right? It follows the Grinch, a grumpy, solitary creature who attempted to get rid of Christmas by stealing all the Christmas-themed items and the presents out of the town below. Remember what the name of the town was? Do you remember? Whoville, right. We all know that. And suddenly it's the Grinch that Rick recognizes that Christmas is not all about money and presents. That's kind of how the story unfolds. And it was written in 1957, published by Random House, and came out in the magazine Red Book at the same time. And it, it was a critique of the commercialization of Christmas. But here's the interesting thing about the book. Since its 
publishing, the word Grinch has actually found its way into our dictionaries and lexicons. And the word Grinch came to mean a killjoy or a spoil sport or even a wet blanket because he was trying to take all of the joy and fun out of Christmas. But it, it didn't work. As a, as a matter of fact, let me read this section to you of how the Grinch stole Christmas. It says, but the sound wasn't sad. Why? This sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow or another. It came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Well, the Grinch found out in what the story of Christmas tells us in the Bible. The people of Whoville, Whoville woke up on Christmas morning with, uh, despite all of their calamity, despite all of their problems, despite all of their loss, kept the merry in Christmas. And they sung and had joy at Christmas time anyway. And listen, I know this year, I know it's 2020, and I know 2020, you are kind of crash landing into Christmas time. Our house has been decorated since November, and it still doesn't feel like Christmas yet, right? It still somehow doesn't. Why? Because 2020 is doing all it can to rob the joy out of our Christmas. And so we kind of crash land into Christmas 2020, and it's full of anxiety and problems and loss and hurt that we've all experienced this year. But you can't let that take our Christmas joy, the merry out of Christmas. I want to tell you, you say, preacher, you don't have my problems, you don't have my issues, I know, but can I tell you this? Here's the truth of the Bible. The truth of the Word of God is this, that the, your problems actually highlight the joy of Christmas. You say, how could that be? Because remember, the story of Christmas is a Savior coming into a broken world to redeem it from all of its problems. When you have problems and issues and anxiety and loss at Christmas, can I tell you that highlights the joy that ought to be in Christmas because here's what we're told by the Christmas story that we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And Christmas joy should come despite our problems because I want to tell you it's not as if the first Christmas didn't have its own problems to deal with. How do you keep the merry in Christmas and not get grinched at Christmas time when you have problems all around? Well, Denny's already read our passage, Matthew 1, that classic Christmas story on the birth of Jesus. Now, here's the thing about that story. It should have been a story of royalty, right? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is being born. It should have been a story of royalty, but it not. It's a story of a lowly couple who had a baby in a barn and had all kinds of issues and problems to deal with before they even got there. So I want us to look today mainly at the story of Joseph. And I just want to make five observations about dealing with problems at Christmas time. Here we are. Number one, I want you to know this. That they were able to keep the merry in Christmas because they didn't fall apart when the plan fell apart. How do you keep the merry in Christmas? Here's what it is. Don't fall apart 
when the plan falls apart. Now, let me tell you how the Bible lays out in verse 18 the, the order of events. Here's the order of events. They were engaged. They did not have sexual relations at all, and they're expecting a baby. So follow me. Engaged, no sexual relations, but yet Mary is pregnant. In case you're wondering, that's not the way the order of events is supposed to work out, right? You probably know that, but just to reiterate it, that's not how it works. or not how it's supposed to work. As a matter of fact, in their day, here's how it was supposed to work. Number one, there was the engagement. Now, it's not necessarily our type of engagement, but similar. But you didn't pick out your spouse in a lot of instances. That's not every instance, but a lot of instances, the parents picked out the spouse for uh, the children. Can I get an amen, mom and dad, right there, right? If they just ask your advice, they'd be better off, right? Can I get an amen? So, so the parents figured out, but they do it at a really young age. And two families will say, hey, you got a boy and I got a girl. Let, let's just let, hook them up and get them married, you know, later on in life. And so they do it. And that was called the engagement. Well, there came secondly, when they reached age of age, uh, there was marrying age, there was the betrothal. And it was at this point, get this, that the couple had a chance to break the engagement. Like, you know, he, he could be like, you know what? I've had a chicken casserole, not a fan. I'm just not going to go through with this. All right, I'm out. I'm looking for somebody else. It rarely happened, but it, it could happen. That was the betrothal. If they agreed on the betrothal, that was the kind of the legal binding agreement. And here's what I mean by that. In order to break a betrothal, you had to get a legal divorce in court in their time. It was serious. And then finally, there was the uh, marriage after that. The marriage is when the consummation took place. And it should be noted that in Jesus' case, Joseph and Mary's case, this did not happen. Consummation did not take place after this. But this is, this is the plan, right? The engagement, the betrothal. And by the way, there's a year between these two. And then the marriage. That was the order of the plan. All their friends had done this order of the plan. Everybody they knew, their parents had done this order of the plan. This plan right here, engagement, this is what Mary had dreamed about her whole life and probably Joseph too, but no doubt Mary had dreamed about this order of the plan all her life. And here's what happened. This plan that they had, we'll call it plan A, fell totally apart. Plan A that they had planned on all of their lives fell totally the part, it, apart. It's not the plan Joseph had in mind. It's not the plan Mary had in mind. It's not the plan any of them had in mind. And keep in mind this, hang with me. They did nothing wrong to mess this plan up. Now, I, I want to tell you here, and this is a hard thing to hear. Let, hear me say it, and I say it with all compassion. You can mess up your own plan, and God have nothing to do with that, right? Like sin will mess up your plan and God's plan for your life. It will. You can't put that on God. You, you can't make that. I'll tell you that later on in the sermon. That's not his responsibility to redeem your mess. He, he, he will redeem, but it doesn't make it better sometimes. But they had done nothing wrong. They, they, they had not committed any kind of sin or any kind of act. We'll, we'll see it again in, in just a moment. But here's what you need to know. That even though Mary and Joseph had this plan A for their lives, their plan A was not God's plan A, but here's the difference. With God's plan A, there were blessings that were going to follow following his plan. Did you know that when God messes up your life, not, not, when, I mess, not when Joel messes up his life, but when God messes up my plans for my life, that's typically when the greatest blessings of my life follow. 
Now, it's hard to see that in the furnace of anxiety. But when your plans go haywire because God messed them up, it's generally when the biggest blessings follow. And here's what most of us can tell you in this room, that most people, our plan A doesn't really last that long anyway, right? I don't know if you've heard of Ira Glass or not, but he does this American Life and podcast. And uh, he, he did a survey not long ago with, uh, with 100 people. He got 100 people in a room together, and he asked them, he said, I want you to go back to your plan A for your life. Like when you were just coming into adulthood, when you were just becoming an adult, like you were 17, 18, 19 years old, about to go into college, just going into college, like, like you, you, you're just becoming an adult, and you know what you're going to do with life. You've got a plan all laid out. He said, here's what I want you to know. Tell me. How many of you are still following that plan out of the 100 people? You want to guess how many were still following plan A for their life? Somebody guess. Three, one. One. And she doesn't count. She was 23 years old. (laughs) You know why only one person was following? Because plan A is not always going to work out. Sometimes life will adjust you, and when it does, you cannot let it steal the joy of your life. Don't fall apart when your plan falls apart because plan A may not work out. You may be on plan B or C or D. You, you may not be on any plan you would have ever contrived for your life at all. But here's what you've got to know. When plan A doesn't work out, don't fall apart. Don't let it get you down. Don't let it wipe you out. The plan God has working in your life will turn out to be the greatest blessing ever in your life. It happened for Mary and it happened for Joseph. Everything's not always going to go to plan, but take heart. Blessings come from God when God interrupts the plan. And the way we keep the merry in Christmas is by knowing that things don't always go according to plan. But God's plan and plan A is not my plan B. God's plan A is his plan A, and it's always been the best thing for my life. How do I keep the merry in Christmas? Don't fall apart when the plan does. Number two, we learn from Joseph, don't compound your problems. Look what he says about Joseph in verse number 19. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now, a couple things you need to know. Words, let me define. The word righteous is in there is what you think it is. It's, it, it means that you are following the plan of God for your life. You're following the will of God for your life. And so Joseph was a righteous man. It means good, holy, righteous. You get it. The word not wanting to disgrace her was typically what would happen in the day. So let me define the word uh, disgrace her publicly. That was a Roman word that was uh, fashioned after this. When the Romans would uh, conquer an enemy in battle, they would take the soldiers that they did not kill, the enemy, they tried not to kill the king in the battle. They would try to capture the king if they could. And they would strip them naked oftentimes and put them, beat them and and put them in humiliating situations. And they would parade them down the street in chains, making a mockery of them. They would take all of the, all of the, uh, bounty of war the gold the silver the precious items they would put them on carts and parade it down the street in order to publicly disgrace the enemy and to say we have your stuff now we own you and we own your stuff that is exactly this word disgrace her publicly in the greek what most people did if in that situation was the betrothed husband would come out and uh, prove that he had not been a party to the sin he would disgrace 
the betrothed wife publicly. So he'd take a bad situation and make it worse. But here's what we learn from Joseph. When you have problems in your life, don't compound your own problems. Here's what Joseph did. He maintained his integrity and walked with God, and he did not make matters worse. He kept doing the right thing. That's not always how it goes, is it, right? Too many th- times when problems are not surrounding us, not going our way, you know what we do? We compound the problem with bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And so we, we started out with this problem that wasn't a major problem, but because we did not stay righteous before God, because we, we, we took a bad situation, we started making it worse when what we should have done was lean in on the Lord, uh, developed our character, got more integrity, more holiness, more of a walk with God. We have this ability, if we're not careful, instead of leaning into God in a problem, to lean away. And what we wind up doing is compounding the problem. So we have a problem in our lives. Instead of leaning in the Lord into righteousness and holiness, we lean away from God in sin and in distancing our walk with him. When we do it, we make matters worse. A guy named David Stoden, who worked at IMB uh, back in 1999, developed a way to classify all the problems that IMB was dealing with. It kind of became famous. And here's what he said. There are four types of problems, and all problems can be put into this classification, and they're escalating in nature. So number one, there is the simple problem. Here's what a simple problem is. It is a problem that pops up in your life that you know the solution to it, and the solution always works, right? Simple problem. You know what to do. Number two, there is what's called what he called a complicated problem. That is the kind of problem where... It's kind of a simple problem, and you know about 80% of what to do, but there's about a 20, there's one unknown factor in there. And you think this solution will work, but you're not sure. You may have to try a couple. It's not as simple as a simple problem, but it's not as complex as some of the others. Number three, there is the complex problem. This is where you don't really know what happened. Like you have the problem, but you have no idea how to fix it. And what you have to do is you have some ideas on how to fix it, and you just have to keep trying different ideas and scratching them off the list or saying, no, actually that works. And he says, the more action you take, the more you whittle down a complex problem and make it solvable, right? Well, then number four, there's what he called the chaotic problem. And he said, this is eventually a crisis when you don't really know what's going on and you don't know what to do. This is trouble. This is trouble. And can I tell you what the problem is? We have this tendency to take a simple problem and escalate it into a chaotic problem. With bad decision after bad decision, we take a simple problem and turn it into full-blown chaos in our lives. And that's not God's doing. That's our own doing. And I want to tell you, you will rob the Mary right out of Christmas when you escalate your problems with sin, when you escalate your problems with bad decisions. No, when you have a problem in your life, do what Joseph did. When the plan isn't working, stay close to God and be righteous in your walk with him. Number three, we learn this about problems. Number three, you have to give God time to work. I I love verse 20, that after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, and he, he told him a story. While Joseph was thinking through what to do, I love this, God showed up. God showed up and explained and took care of the entire situation. Now, let me just say this and I'll move on quickly. One reason our problems get us down is we have this tendency to get in front of the Lord. We give God no time to work. 
One of the verses I'm most disobedient to in the Bible is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. Can I tell you I'm not much of a still person, right? I'm more, if it said be fidgety and know that I'm God, I'm in. I got that obeyed every time. Be still. Joseph was contemplating what to do. And let me tell you, to Joseph's credit, what he did not do. He did not make, now there's some times in your life you need to act fast. And there's some times in your life you need to be still. And Joseph looked at this situation, not knowing what to do. And he said, you know what? This is not one of those act fast moments. This is one of those be still and lean on God and give him a chance to do something moments. I'm going to tell you, sometimes when your problems are weighing heavy on you, it may be time just to be still and be quiet. Be still and be quiet. When our problems are weighing heavy on us, it's, maybe it's not the time to go to Facebook and just air it all out. Right? Instagram, whatever. Maybe it's time just to be still and be quiet. And give God a chance to show up in our lives. Because often if you go back to what I said earlier, we're compounding the problems by what we say and what we do. And sometimes God just wanted us, he put us in this situation just to sit us down and shut us up. He may want you to be still and pray. He may want you to be still and read your Bible. He may want you to be still and help somebody else or serve somebody else. All I'm saying is Joseph did the exact right thing with the problem. He gave God time to work in his life. And because he gave God a minute to work in his life, he kept the joy in Christmas, the merry in Christmas. Fourth thing I want to tell you about your problems is this. Number four, there is probably a bigger picture. He said it in Matthew 1, Now this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, Matthew was trying to convey two things in this, and this was being conveyed to uh, 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 um, Joseph as well. Two things that were important for Joseph to know. Number one, that Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah were being fulfilled in Mary and Joseph's life. That's huge. I mean, for thousands of years, we've been predicting the Messiah. And now Mary and Joseph are being told, hey, guess what? God's doing that through you. That's the big picture. And the big picture number two is that uh, the Jesus is being born of a virgin. And that's important to know because later on in Jesus' life, they accuse him of the, some of the slander going around about Jesus was that he was born out of wedlock. But we know that's not true. He was born of a virgin. The Messiah had to be, listen to me carefully, theologically speaking, he cannot be our Savior unless he was born of a virgin. He cannot be. You say, that take a miracle. Good, thank you. You got it. It'd take a miracle. Take a miracle. Here's what the angel was doing with those two statements. He was letting Joseph know Hey, there's something bigger going on than just you and Mary right here. This has been prophesied for thousands of years. And there's something a lot bigger than just you and Mary going on here. Now, I want to tell you, this is hard to hear. It, 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 takes, it, it takes a little learnedness in the Christian life. But when your life is surrounded by problems, can I tell you something that's hard to hear but rejoice? It may be bigger than you. See, there, there may be a soul that needs to be saved that you have to go through your problems in order for them to get the gospel. 
There may, may, may need to be a kingdom that needs expanded. There may, may, may need to be a life that needs to be rescued. There is a bigger picture. Keep your joy in your problems because there in all probability, if you're walking with God, if you're righteous before God, I'm just gonna promise you, there is a bigger picture. And here, listen, this may discourage you, it may encourage you, I don't know, but here's what you need to know. You probably won't know until eternity. One of these days in heaven, Maybe you've been there a cool million years or something. You're going to get the nerve to go up to Jesus, and you're going to say, I just got to ask you a question, God. You know, you remember back at that time in my life, I was walking with you. I was going to church. I was giving. I was doing everything. I, God, I didn't know what else to do. I was serving, doing so much, and yet you let my life fall apart. God, why did you let that happen? Listen, Jesus is going to take you by the hand, and he's going to walk you down the street, and he's going to say, hey, Ring the doorbell of this guy. And, and, and you're going to say, oh, geez, I, I don't, we don't have doorbells in heaven, right? No locks or anything, but he's like, you, you know what I mean? Ring the doorbell. And he said, I want to introduce you to the, the fellow here that had you not gone through your problem, he would not be in heaven today. You're, there was a bigger picture than you knew going on in your life. I want to tell you, when you have problems in your life, when you have anxiety and loss and heartache in your life, can I just tell you there's a good chance, good chance, there's a bigger picture going on that you won't know about until eternity. Number five, how do you keep the man Christmas? Let me give you this, I'm finished. Number five, lead with obedience. Lead with obedience and leave the rest to God. Here, here's what it says about Joseph as the story concludes. When Joseph woke up, I love this, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He did as the Lord's angel had, had commanded him. All those problems going on in Joseph's lives, what did he do? He did exactly what the Lord wanted him to do, obedience. Now, hear me, hear me, because you need to hear this. We, 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 we run right through these verses and don't think through them. That obedience did not answer one question Joseph had, not one. It did not fix any problem he had, none at all. It did not make the hurt and the sting and the pain go away. No, no, it didn't make a dark sky sunny, not at all. You say, well, how in the world to help? Here's what it did. Joseph put his faith in God, did what he was supposed to do, and he said, I'm going to do what's right, and then I'm going to leave the rest in God's hands. I don't know the answers to your problems, whatever they may be. I, I don't know the answers to your problems. I don't. Truth be told, you don't know the answers to your problems or it wouldn't be a problem, right? You, you may have gone beyond a simple problem and now you're in a, a complex problem. It may be full-blown chaos. I don't know. You, you can't fix that. And can I tell you this? Can I alleviate some worry? Nobody can. I'm not a counselor you can go to. I'm not a preacher. You can't get it at Walmart. They won't deliver it. None of that public doesn't have it. There's no answers to your problems. It's a problem. Well, how do you stay joyful in the midst of that? You lead with obedience and leave the rest of God. Here's what you do. You be obedient and trust the Lord. Close your Bibles. I want to make two statements, but I want you to hear me. Close your Bibles. Here's these two statements. Carry these home with you. If you do what's right, and that's a big if, right? But if we do what's right, here's the good news, and Joseph figured it out. The problems do not belong to you. They belong to the Lord. 
Like if you're in the will of God, if you're serving God, if you're living for Jesus and walking with God and not making matters worse with your own sin and disobedience, if you'll be, listen, it is not your problem. It's his problem to deal with. And Joseph said, I can't figure out how being obedient is going to make my life any better whatsoever. But here's what we're going to do, Lord. Since you said it, I'm going to do it. And that's your problem to deal with. Hold on. The opposite's true. If you do what's wrong, then you own your problem. If you got yourself in that mess, you need mercy. Because God's not always as quick to rescue us from our own messes. Right? He will. But just keep in mind, Jonah's spend a little bit of time in the bile of a whale. But if you do what's right and just say, God, I'm going to do what you say. Doesn't make sense. Won't fix anything. I don't feel like going to church today, but I'm going to go. I don't feel like tithing. I'm going to tithe. I don't feel like serving. I'm going to serve. I got problems, God. I can't see how this is. God, listen, you do what's right. You leave the rest of God, he will own your problem. Had to do something this week I don't, I don't like doing, I'm finished. Um, had to call, um, I had to call Apple Care. Anybody, anybody else do Apple Care in the room or online, you call, call Apple Care. It's had a pro- phone issue, right? Had a phone issue. I'm not one of those people that likes calling customer service. It, it, you may be, you may just love it. Um, if you do, I have an hour and 45 minutes of my life I'll trade with you from last Tuesday night uh, because, or Monday night. I, I, I didn't like it. And I'm just not patient. My wife, she sits beside me sometimes when I do this and she'll be like, Joel, Joel, Joel. Because I can get sideways in a hurry. And I'm, the, the other day I'd call customer service. It was a great experience. Told the guy where I lived and he's like, oh, I just lived right down the road from you. And he worked for an international company. And I'm like, I got to be careful. Like these people may know me and I want to you know, hurt my witness here, but man, I, I usually call like technology places and I used to call technology and I'm usually like this. Hey guy, I probably know more about this than you do. Uh, so I need you to skip the pages that tell you to ask me to restart my phone. If restarting my phone would have helped me, I wouldn't be on the phone with you. Like I've done all that. And I always say stuff like this. Oh, that's so good to know. So can I ask you this? Uh, would you mind restarting your phone just now? I need to talk to somebody else. And so it's going that way. It's hour and 45 minutes. I got transferred to three different departments. Was on hold forever. The poor second guy, we just made friends while we were on the phone. He's like, I'm so sorry you've been on hold all this time and all this. But finally got the third guy. And when I told him what the problem was, he said, oh, oh, we'll fix it. That's on us. It's our problem. We'll fix it. And he asked me this question. It's the dumbest moment I've had in my life in recent memory. He said, uh, we owe you a free fund. How much would you like back? Well, I'm not used to that question. Are you? <laughs> so I gave the minimal amount I could get back. Which was pretty dumb. Because now I wish I'd given the maximum amount and just seen what he said. You know, they say give the big number and just be quiet. I should have just gave the big number and be quiet. But no, no, not me. I give the smallest number possible. And he, you know what, immediately. Oh, right, we'll give it back to you. He didn't argue with me at all. Give it back to you. You know why? Because 
He said, that's our problem. We'll fix it. This is gross, but you remember the days of dropping your phone in the commode in the bathtub and at the beach? You remember those days? How many of you ever put a phone in a bag of rice? Let me see your hand. You ever put a phone in a bag of rice? Yeah, that's so funny. I don't know if it ever worked for any of us, but we all did it. And um, you call call Apple Care and, and they'd say, oh, yeah, we'll fix your phone. Now, it doesn't have any water damage, does it? You know, well, I dropped it in the ocean. Does that count as water damage? And they're like, yeah, it does. And they tell you it's your problem to fix. You know why? Because you messed up and it's your problem. When I called Monday night, he said, oh, that's on us. You didn't do anything wrong. We'll fix it. If Apple does that, how much more our Lord? Joseph had figured it out. Joseph said, I can't figure out how obeying God's going to help anything. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to obey God, and now God, it's your problem to deal with. It's yours. I did what was right. It's on you to deal with this problem. And the reason so many of us never get there in our lives is we do what's wrong and still want God to fix it. We compound the problem, still want God to fix it. No, Joseph said, here's how you keep your joy in Christmas. Here's how you keep the merry in Christmas. Here's what you do. When, when your life is on plan C, you stay true to God. You stay obedient and leave the rest to God. You stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're watching and you're not a Christian, can I tell you that your biggest problem is that you're going to spend eternity in a place called hell apart from God. You say, preacher, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and be better. That doesn't work. You can't get better and get to heaven. You can only get forgiven and saved and get to heaven. And that's as simple as ABC. A, you admit you're a sinner and can't earn or work your way to heaven. You can never be good enough to get to heaven, neither could I. B, you've got to believe the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin and rose again the third day. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You may have entered the building today and your heart was already heavy about eternity and you were full of anxiety about your eternity. Eternity. And you just heard the answer was as simple as ABC. If you'd like to become a Christian today with your online Ross floor here in the room, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can pray a simple prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves you, but the intent of your hearts to trust Jesus. Say something just as simple, dear Lord Jesus, I know I can't earn my way to heaven and I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and that he rose again the third day. And just now I invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sins, to save me, and to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time with me, no matter where you are, every other head bowed, every other eye closed, but if you just prayed that prayer with me for the first time in your life, look up here, and I want you to take your phone and text, I did, no spaces, I did, to the number 97,000. And here's what we're going to do. We're gonna send you a booklet in the mail that uh, tells you the next seven steps to take in the Christian life because you'll get very confused if you don't know what those are in the Christian life. We're going to send that to you. So it just takes idea, no spaces, to 97,000. Here's what we want to do. We want to rejoice with you because you are born again. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, online and in the room. Don't let your problems get you down because you can still have joy in Jesus and Mary in Christmas. 
Don't fall apart when the plan does. Sometimes your greatest blessings come from plan B that God puts into your life. Don't compound your problems and make them worse. But sometimes you just need to be still and be quiet and give God time to work. And figure out that there's a bigger picture involved. So what do I do then? So you be obedient. You be obedient and make it God's problem to own, not yours. Heads are bowed. Nobody looking around. How many would be honest before God today? This is really for your own personal testimony more than me, but how many of you would say, hey, preacher, I've got problems in my life that are causing me stress, worry, and anxiety, and I'm having a hard time dealing with them, and I'm having a hard time keeping the joy of my life right now. If you'd just be honest before God, would you slip your hand up and just say, hey, that's me, that's me. All over the building, all over the building. I know at home at Rossville too. So let's, let's pray together. Let's pray that We can give these to the Lord. Sometimes we just pray that we can be still. That we can do what's right. And leave the rest to God. Father, there's a lot of problems in the room. A lot, lot of problems in the room. It has been that way all day. Anxiety, stress, loss, worry, problems, Lord, problems. The prayer today is that we'll give you our problems. Don't let us make them worse. We have this terrible tendency to make our problems worse with bad decision after bad decision. But Joseph was a great example of even in the midst of a major, major issue, he, he kept his integrity and character and walked with God. And he stayed obedient and he gave the problem to you. So Lord, that's our prayer today. Let's give you time to work, but Lord, let's keep our character, our holiness, our obedience. And let's just give you time to do something in our life. Lord, If we're staying in your will and close to you, it's your problem, not mine. So show up and show out in our lives. And give us the joy in Jesus and the merry and Christmas back this holiday season. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.